And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's up, Raider Nation? And welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, as always, Raider Hart. Back with you again. Uh, just going to go over a few things here. Some uh, recent uh, happenings here in Raider Nation. Some pretty major roster uh, transactions that took place. I think a lot of you probably know where we're going with this. Uh, just wanted to touch base and talk about these things real quick here. And also kind of wanted to put a real quick bow just on the Raiders um, somewhat impressive preseason performance. And uh, to do that with me here, of course, I have my partner in crime, the exceptional Mr. Raspy Raider back with me again. Um, Raspy's on assignment uh, today uh, on vacation in enemy territory, I believe. Is that correct, Raspy? Yeah, man, I definitely am, man. I'm just uh, a few stones throws from Kansas City Stadium right now. Maybe I should uh, get a little closer and throw a couple more rocks. But uh, <laughs> family reunion, man, we have it every year. It's uh, it's important to me. It's always a good time, man, to see all my family out here. But uh, but I'm always ready to talk Raider football. I ain't going nowhere when it comes to that. Absolutely, man. And uh, we're glad to have you here. And yeah, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on a couple of these big roster decisions here, cutting the, the roster down to the 53-man uh, limit, getting ready for the regular season um, opener against the Chargers. And guys, just to be clear, Nation, that this is not our regular season preview show. That'll be coming next. So you, you'll make sure to look for that. And speaking of which, um, you guys can still find us out there on social media. You know, the, the conversation goes on. Guys, I know it's kind of a – seemed like a long off season, but we're ready for uh, for the next regular season to start here. One of the most anticipated regular seasons probably in the last couple decades with the Raiders, guys. So you want to make sure to jump in and join the conversation. You can find us on Twitter still at, at uh, Silver underscore Hack. You can find us on Facebook can also find us on LinkedIn as well and if you like to if you prefer to do the the podcast thing rather kind of like to sit back and listen rather than participate we got you covered there too because you can find us on virtually all the major podcast providers so you can find us anywhere that you typically find your podcast so make sure to find us there like share and subscribe and and keep those notifications on because we're ready to get going here for the regular season just around the corner but first, as I said, I wanted to just kind of put a bow on, on a, the end of the preseason there for the Raiders, the first preseason under the new coaching staff led by Josh McDaniels and his, and his team. Uh, but, you know, before we kind of get into that, there's some – we kind of have to address the big elephant in the room, Raspy, where there were some pretty surprising, at least surprising to some, roster cuts getting down to the final cut before – the uh, regular season there, and we, I guess we have to start with the biggest elephant in the room, Raspy, and that's, of course, 
former 2020 uh, first-round pick Alex Leatherwood was cut, um, just flat-out cut, not released or not uh, traded, rather, you know, did, obviously didn't make the, the 53, which is, which is really surprising off of, you know, a, a first-round pick that's still so young and still a lot of people feel like still has such upside. I guess we just have to start right there, Raspy. You know, were you surprised by the move? And what do you think ultimately led to this with Alex Leatherwood? Well, I can answer it in, in one quick statement was the fact that, man, this guy couldn't even make it as a guard. Like he didn't even make, I mean, you know, how many linemen did we keep, you know, eight to 10 probably depending, you know, and it's like, even if, even if say you draft him in the first round and he busts that right tackle, if he could be a solid right guard or even a left guard or just somewhere interior there, you know, push him in a position, you would think that you would you'd want to keep him around just for that alone. Even if you know you tackle side, but you got a super solid right guard. The, the the fact that he couldn't make this roster, dude, that's that's scary, man. What was he doing? I heard he was working his tail off trying things to get better with his footwork. And, I mean, I just I, I just truly believe, man, I don't think some witch hunt against Alex Leatherwood. I think he was not producing and not showing up in practices. And, and the game's kind of getting mowed and pushed around too. So, I don't know, man. That, that one had me <sighs> – I mean, obviously, I would have loved to keep him around. I thought I thought that he could, you know, possibly continue to get better and solidify himself and move back out to the right tackle where we had a right tackle for the you know, foreseeable future. But the fact that he couldn't make this roster at all, you know, and we were willing to take any shot on him, I don't know if it's work ethic. I don't know if it's attitude. You don't hear a whole lot about that. But, man, no, that's, that's a perplexing one because, yes, I was definitely surprised. But at the same time, when your coaches are saying this guy isn't good enough to make the 53-man roster, with the money that we owed him and the chance we took of having to eat $8 million, it's saying a lot, man. I don't know. That one was crazy. It was a real shocker. I mean, you know, we weren't that necessarily that high on the draft pick when when it was made, you know, no. originally, you know, we thought that there are some better options on the table and you don't, that's why you don't pigeonhole yourself into, okay, we have to take a quarterback, a guard, a defensive, you don't, you don't pigeonhole your roster to where the draft comes around and you have a clear position that you have to take. We don't care if there's a corner that's really worthy of a first round pick. We have to take somebody. It's just bad roster building. And you talked about his attitude, you know, I did hear some whispers of of maybe an attitude problem, but it was, to be clear, it was more with the media. Not, I didn't hear anything about a bad attitude with McDaniels or in the locker room or on the practice field, that kind of thing. But I did hear a couple times, you know, after practices or after, you know, a couple of the preseason games where he was clearly passed up by uh, Illuminor and some of the other, um, you know, tackles on the team, some of the less heralded names on the team, you know, passed him up. And I, you know, I was hearing that he was kind of sulking a little bit in some of the press conferences, you know, again, I didn't hear anything about that, you know, sort of carrying over into the locker room or his, in his dealings with McDaniels or his teammates, but, you know, that is something to look at. And then, you know, you mentioned the fact that we were hearing and reading so many good things about the, the work that Alex was putting in, in the off season 
you know, to try to shore up his footwork and, and that kind of thing. I was hearing about, you know, martial arts and that kind of stuff and, and other stuff potentially that he was doing to get his, his, uh, his footwork on point. And McDaniels actually came out and verified that. He said that from his point of view, that Leatherwood did everything that he possibly could to, it wasn't that he was slacking off. It wasn't that he was dogging it in practice or wasn't putting in the work or the film work, the tape. McDaniel said that he did everything in the off season and during the process to possibly everything that he could to make the team or to solidify his spot. And he just could not hack it. What do you, what do you say to that? The fact that, you know, McDaniels did verify that the, the young man was putting in all the required work um, in his birth, both in his personal time in the off season and, you know, in the official Raider training camp setting to, to make the team and to solidify his starting spot and the fact that he wasn't even not only was he not able to solidify his starting spot, but he wasn't even able, as you said, to make any sort of, you know, not even as a backup right tackle, not even as a guard, nothing. What do you say when McDaniels verified that it had nothing to do with work ethic or anything else? It was just ability. That, hey, man, this is the NFL and it, it'll it'll turn you inside out and right side wrong if you're not ready for it, man. And maybe he just flat out wasn't cutting it. I mean, you got or yet Thayer Mumford out there doing some work and handling his business. And they're seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of good things out of these young guys. And then, like I said, to, to, to just flat out get rid of them, if he could have been even just like a plug-and-play type guy, hell, I know that's not what you want out of a first-rounder, but if you're going to pay them and at least, you know, allow them to come in and, you know, help you out if you need to, they weren't even trusted. So it, it flat out, obviously, I mean, there's really nothing else to say that it, it did. The, ability and, and and what he was producing out there and it obviously wasn't enough man and there's some hungry all these guys are hungry man it, it's such a small percentage of guys that make it into this league at all and even get to have a cup of coffee with a certain team or two or ten or whatever so if you ain't there and you're not man like they say it's a business man and that's this is one of the worst weeks for you know general managers and players alike it's tough, man. They're letting, you know, you have teams that have damn near 90 players. They got to get down to 53 and they got to do it in a hurry. And you're going to have to break some hearts and you're going to have to move on. But one thing I do like about this is the fact that I was so worried because it sounded like they had tried to trade him to anybody. And happening. So he's sitting out there. Thankfully, it looks like the Bears might have picked him up. Hopefully they can eat that and we won't have to. We'll see how that, you know, all pans out. No, that's done. They picked him up, and they're they're on the hook for the remainder of his contract. So that well, part of deal. it Perfect. is off the hook. I, for I, the I, I, you know, you see a lot of these things where it's like you got to spend at least two weeks with a team. You know, the went away because he couldn't stay on the team for two weeks. He just, I don't know, but I'm glad to hear that that it is solidified. That's that's fantastic. That's huge. But uh, but yeah, it is promising, man. That a kid with so much promise and upside. And sounded like he was doing all the right things. Just sounded like when it came down to it, man, for this team, this regime, this year, they were ready to move on. I don't know. Yeah, they obviously were. You know, it was a tough decision, I'm sure. But ultimately, the Raiders, McDaniels and Ziegler decide to move on. Uh, just to clarify, the Raiders do save that money. They save um, the remainder of the, of the contract there. And that translates to this season. They save one3 
in, in terms of salary just for this season, not counting the remainder of the contract. And that also accounts for uh, they do have to take a 1.96 dead cap, million dollar dead cap hit for this year. But considering what they would have been on the hook for just with the peer release, those are significant savings there. Um, yeah, these teams can these teams can create two million dollars out of thin air, so we're not stressing that. Not stressing that at all. I mean, just with the wave of a pen, you know, restructure a contract, and you can save yep. that and much more. But as far as the just to put a bow on the Leatherwood part of it, you know, there's some talk now because you know it's very rare where a second year first round pick doesn't even make the roster on the second year. You know, he he was a rookie and then just does not make. I I don't know. I can't remember the last time that I've heard of something like that, you know, where the second year, a first round pick just does not even make the 53 man just at all. Like not a backup, not anything that raises the question that was brought up is the biggest, is he the biggest bust in Raiders history because of that fact? Because even Jamarcus Russell, the other name that everybody's going to go to, he lasted on the roster for several years and won games as bad as he was, as disappointing as poor work ethic as he had at times and ultimately led to him, you know, being prematurely uh, kicked out of the league. He did last on the roster for much longer than Alex Leatherwood and did win some games. So it's just a question that was out there. What do you think? Is Does that make him the biggest bust in Raider history? Man, you're pushing it. You know, like, not not you yourself, but it's like just us as a base are kind of pushing it, saying that when we saw what Jamarcus Russell transpired. But you do make some valid points on that. I mean, he set a precedent that you don't want to set. So it's it the time is real. I mean, the fact, like I said, that he couldn't even make this roster as like a plug and play piece type of player. You know, I mean, that's that's saying a lot, man. I don't know. That is a an argument that I guess I'd I'd be willing to get into and and delve into a little bit more. Um, it is it is a uh, he can't help where he was drafted. You know what I mean? We he was drafted out of place. But neither could Marcus and, Russell though. He couldn't help yeah, it either. Well, yeah, and I get it, but I you also see the value they put on quarterbacks and have for a very long time. So I get it. But I mean, you know, he, he was looked at as I said, I don't think anybody had him higher than mid second round. You know what I mean? And we're drafting him sixteenth overall or wherever the hell we landed on that, but it, it obviously was not the right choice. Wasn't the right choice. I still got to go Jamarcus Russell. I agree. As I being the biggest it's bust. hard to push that. <laughs> well, I mean, That's a hard one to bust right there. Just, just the money and the, the you know, the number yeah. one overall pick. But that does put him in the conversation in, in terms of Leatherwood to not make the, you know, not make the roster the yeah. next year. And it also, man, it to, just to wrap this part of it up, it really does shine a light on just how bad the Gruden Mayock talent evaluation team you can people out there can say it's more Gruden some other people want to say it's more Mayock it doesn't really matter you know it was a team effort and they're both out of there now but one thing we can't agree on all those first round picks and just Colton Miller has been the only real impact player Josh Jacobs is probably he's on the he's you know what we didn't pick up his fifth year option so regardless of what Josh Jacobs does this year we and we've already drafted what they hope I would 
I'm assuming that what they hope would be will be his eventual replacement. So if you draft a running a running back in the first round and don't pick up his fifth year option, that yeah. qualifies him as a bust to me too. Because yeah. first round well, running backs have to be Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. They they better be a star, not somebody that you're not even picking up the fifth year. So. Nor, nor did we pick up Jonathan Abel's fifth year or Cleve Farrell's fifth year. So, yes, but one thing I will give them a little reprieve in just on the way out, and I'm not trying to give them credit because I am so sick of still suffering from the Gruden and Mayock mistakes. I'll give them Hunter Renfro. I'll give them Mad Max Crosby. I'll give them guys like Malcolm Coons. There was some good picks. It seemed like with the early rounds, they just – fell flat on their faces, but somehow scraped up these mid to late round guys who were, you know, of super value and now an integral part of what we're doing. So I'm not trying to play devil's advocate, but in a sense, I'm like, well, they did do those things. I'll give them that. But yeah, with our early round, first, second, you know, even third round picks, boy, a bunch of eggs, man. Let's be honest. Yeah, and NFL, you know, analytics will tell you that missing on first and second round picks, um, you know, hitting on fourth and fifth round picks like we have with you know, Renfro and Hobbs looks like he's developing into something. And some of those, yeah. obviously, Max Crosby, that does not make up for missing on early round picks, especially. And that's not yeah. even considering the fact that we had all those surplus of extra first round picks because of the Mac trade. So, so – that, that's not even accounting for that, so. No, and I get it, and that's why it's tough for me. Like, I'm not trying to give them any outs at all. I'm just saying at least there was a couple bright spots because if not, I mean, it's a dumpster fire. If it wasn't for guys like – I mentioned Nate Hobbs. You make a very valid point. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for guys like Max Crosby, Nate Hobbs, Hunter Renfro, you know, Malcolm Coons, guys like that, they would literally look back and say this is probably the worst – three years that you could ask for. You know what I mean? As far as drafting was concerned. I think it was a dumpster fire. You know, that's great that we no, have. That and I get it. There's a few bright spots is all I'm. But we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. You know, when you're trading Khalil Mack and that's what you get back. Yeah. yeah. So terrible job by those guys. But, you know, the other surprise that I wanted to get into was Something that wasn't as much of a surprise for me, this is something that I was kind of hoping for, but I think a lot of, and I saw a lot of Raider fans on uh, Twitter, you know, I mentioned I already, really. I already know where you're going. Yeah, there, there's a lot of surprise out there, and this is the Trayvon Mullen yeah. trade. Raiders traded Mullen to the Cardinals for a conditional seventh-round pick that could, uh, depending on certain uh, provisions, could could turn into – uh, as high as a six-round pick, not much of a difference there. Um, McDaniels flat out said that when he was asked about this, other players stepped up at the position. And it was interesting that he didn't mention some of the names. I was expecting him to mention Hobbs and some of these other guys. I'm thinking uh, Webb Robertson. and them boys. Well, that's what he mentioned, Webb, you know, undrafted free agent. But I don't really think that's what it was. I, I You know, coaches say that they're, they're kind of – train for coach speak what I think it was is something that I've been saying in private and sometimes in public um, some of you guys have talked to us about that and, and probably remember me saying this the guy just wasn't that good Trayvon Mullen was never that good he was injury prone and the thing about it with me Raspy that bothered me the most was that 
He had a bad attitude on top of all of it. A lot of you guys may disagree with me on that, but he had a bad attitude. A lot of that was a that was one thing going back to the Gruden Mayock thing. That was one of the staples from them that a lot of their a, a large part of their draft uh, their their draft picks in in total they came in here with self entitled bad attitudes. And Mullen, Josh Jacobs, these guys obviously we won't even talk about what Henry Ruggs ended up being involved in. These guys showed up with a combative attitude that Raider Nation as fans, you guys just be should just be lucky that we're here, that I'm here or whatever. And they spend a lot more time jabbing at their own fan base on social media. You guys have heard us talk about this before than they do getting after the opposition. Raspy, you know, I wasn't as surprised about this as some other people were. What were your thoughts about the Mullen trade? No, man. And you go back. I I, I backed Mullen early. I saw more breakout of him than I had seen, you know, in a minute from any cornerback from us. But we also hadn't seen – we were so cornerback starved. We hadn't seen a decent cornerback since Namdi Asama. So maybe I was just, you know – just, you know, biting at that forbidden fruit because he was at least somebody that could halfway play the position. But you, like you said, you look back at it, man. I mean, other than basically his rookie year and about midway into his second year, after that it was injuries and, and bad and poor play. I mean, I'm not surprised by it at all. And what was crazy is when you're talking about these attitude of these guys, it was, it was you know, Gruden and Mayock over there – character guys, character guys. You know, it's like, dude, you guys were so freaking up your own you-know-whats that you weren't even reading the TV and seeing what the hell was going on right in front of you, man. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm with it, man. You know what? It's time to move on. I love Anthony Averett. I think you might think I'm crazy, but watch what he does this year. I think this kid will play a lot more than you think. Darius Phillips, he left. He signed with the Donkeys. You know, watch. He might end up being one of their – There, I kind of liked what Phillips was bringing, but obviously, again, I'm trusting the coaches on this. He didn't cut the mustard. We let him go. So if Denver wants him, then Donkeys can have him. But I want to see Hobbs and Averett and Rocky Sand and them boys out there doing their thing. And we're going we're gonna to find out. You know what I mean? We're fixing to find out. So let's see how this goes. But with the Mullen – I think it was time to move on, man. He was he seemed obviously irritated and and just we don't need that here. If whatever we gotta do to shake off the old regime, I'm cool with man. Let's move forward. Let's power through this division and show them that we can be a competitor and go ahead and maybe run the table on this division or at least cause some serious waves and some headaches, man. But at this point, I like where they're at. I liked what I've seen in the preseason. Just the preparedness, the awareness, the, uh, you know, a little change of pace and change of direction as they feed the backs the ball and where they're going with the tight ends and stuff. I just, I like what I see. And wait till you get Devontae out there, man, and Renfro and Waller and these boys and really see how we can take the top off an offense, but also still have a dominant running game. And I tell you right now, Zeus, boy, I love me some Zeus, man. I love Zemir White coming out. I was like thinking, man, we're drafting a bunch of running backs. We're bringing all these running backs in. Zeus looks flat out beastly. And if our line can be decent, I think this could be a really good year. So we're just going to have to see, but. 
But yeah, the Trayvon Mullen thing, I think at this point had to happen because there was a lot of question marks there. You know, I'm sure he thinks he's good enough to be the second guy or the first guy, probably the first guy, but he's not. I'm sorry. You're not better than Rock, and I don't think you're better than Nate. So best to just move on, move forward. Let's go. And he can, if he goes and shines, I wish him nothing but the best. Go do your thing in Arizona. You know, whatever. I don't care about what Arizona does. We do. So later on, Nate. Or later on, Trey. Sorry, man. We got Nate there. He's waiting. I think he's going to shine. I truly feel like Nate Hobbs is going to it's going to show a lot of people and a lot of people in the NFL on notice this year. So we're going to see. The reports at a training camp are indicating that. And, yeah, just to put a, a wrap on, on Mullen, you know, I think this is a good thing because and, – and, by the way, if he does go to Arizona and proves me wrong, I'll gladly – I'm not one of these guys yeah. – that doubles and triples down and won't admit that I was wrong about something like so many people in this country. Yes, this country do right now. I'm not one of those guys. So if he proves me wrong, I'll be the first one to say, look, I didn't see it with us and I, and I saw wrong, but I will say that this is a good sign for the Raiders because the fact that this cornerback group went from such a question mark um, for me just a few months ago to a point where now you know, guys that were almost thought to be penciled in, guaranteed starters just because of lack of depth or lack of other options or alternatives to go to didn't even get considered for making the 53, just did not make the team at all. Guys like Trayvon Mullins at the top of the list. I remember guys like Mo Morton, um, you know, who, who we've gone back and forth, you know, about various things. We respect each other, you know, all in good fun. But, you know, him talking about that, he basically was thinking that Mullen was – penciled in you know that he was a starting caliber corner it's just such a refreshing thing for the Raiders to see that there's been such upgrades and such young talent bubbling to the surface that we could just flat out move on from from Mullen and Phillips who was brought in because of a concern of depth so they don't think they feel much better about the depth at that position today than they did when they took over the job and I know that because of the moves that they made so that makes me feel very good and it goes and it bounces over to the Leatherwood thing too, man. It's like even even Josh McDaniel said himself. He said, "Man, just because you're on the 53 man roster doesn't mean you don't have to compete." I love that. I love the the essence of the competition. And you're not safe, man. And if you feel safe, you better be legendary, because the only guys that can be safe in this game are legendary. So if you ain't that or you haven't proved that yet, then you better get your ass to work because we're here to work. And it don't matter where you were drafted or whether up on Sunday, if you're not making it happen and you're not doing what you need to be doing and guys are looking better than you, you're going to lose and you're gone. And I, you know what? I like that because it keeps everybody on their toes. Sitting, you sit, you know, sitting back thinking like, Oh, I can just go through the motions. We don't want guys that want to go through the motions. We want guys that want to go out there and set precedence and win. So I well, like that, it. I, the competition. There's like a fire there. I love it. It's the exact opposite of the John Gruden yep. scholarship program. Yeah, there's no homers. No homers. Chips. Exactly. I'm totally you know, with you. Couldn't have said it any better myself, man. These damn scholarship athletes, man. We're not in college, bro. 
Yeah, that was a big problem with with that regime and 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 Leatherwood. You know, I that to me it's different than the Mullen thing. Leather Mullen, I get the the sense that he got let go because there's just so much. There's just so many other options to look at that were performing better. Leatherwood, I think, is the opposite. I mean, we have very little depth on the offensive line, and he couldn't even hack it there. So yeah. that's a real concern. He was just that – Leatherwood was just that bad, you know. Yeah, but, that's what I'm so. saying, man. Like, outside of Colton Miller, man, there is no solidified position on that line, and he couldn't even make the roster. We won't, a, well, I won't get back to that, but it blows my mind. Not a good sign. I mean, not a good no. sign at all. Absolutely um, not. But one thing that could potentially be a good sign – is you mentioned it briefly a minute ago. We'll just, you know, lastly here, just want to ask you this question. Raiders, you know, 4-0 for the first time in in, um, in preseason in their history. I was a little bit surprised by that. But first time and, uh, you know, zero turnovers, very impressive. And then also impressive, especially for the Raiders, only 13 penalties for 95 yards over the preseason. That's the fewest by any Raiders team in the preseason over the last 22 years, Raspy. You love to see it, but here's a question, man. It's been kind of debated out there. There's, there's the, you know, there's the camp where preseason, you know, some fans think it, it really, you can really discern some very critical information about your team and how they're going to translate to the regular season in by what they do or don't do in preseason. And there's the other half that thinks that you can read absolutely nothing into what you see in preseason, good or bad. It just doesn't matter either way. What camp do you fall into? I'm kind of somewhere in between, man, because when you got when you got geniuses like Bill Belichick saying that uh, preseason don't mean check, you know what? It's kind of hard to argue with, with that because you're kind of seeing what you got. But as far as just, I guess, just preparation, we got this a couple weeks back when we recorded – just the preparation, just kind of like it, you see a lot of times in preseason guys making mistakes, guys being unorganized and, and just not fluid. That didn't seem to be the case. So I think some of that has to matriculate, you know what I mean, into the season. So I'm kind of on the fence with that one. I don't think it means jack shit, excuse my language, but I also don't, you know, don't think that it means the world either. But it is going to get you a little test of, you know, and a little taste of what preparation looks like. I mean, Bill Belichick can say that all he wants, man. We went out and made Mac Jones look stupid. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the edge with that. But it's also the time, and I don't want to take away from guys that are working their asses off out there trying to make a roster and say that it doesn't mean nothing because it means a lot to these guys that are trying to make the team. So I'm not pull the plug on that and act like it doesn't mean anything. I'll never be on that side of it. Do I take 4-0 serious? Think we're going to go freaking, you know, 13-4? and four? No. <laughs> do I have any misconceptions? No. But I do like the fact that when guys were lining up and getting out there and doing things that was on time, there wasn't a bunch of penalties, like you said. It wasn't a bunch of dysfunction or a bunch of nonsense. So there has to be just the calm of it. And I guess the, you know, the way it flowed, I'm cool with that. And if that can translate the same way with better players and all the starters at the helm, man, you got to like that in a sense. 
be crazy not to. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle too. I mean, it, you know, and, and when they say when when people are saying that they don't they don't think that preseason means anything at all, I think that they just I don't think they mean it doesn't mean anything to the players that are fighting. Well, not to the they season. just mean translating into the regular season, like whatever yeah. you're seeing means this is what you're going to see from these teams in the regular right. season. I don't think that, but the discipline. It started early, right, right out of the gate with the first preseason game. It was obvious, and that main t- it, it is impressive to me that that maintained through the entire four games that discipline and focus was there. That is a sign of a well-coached team, and it also, even beyond that, uh, it's a sign of a team that's bought in to the new coaching staff and the new regime. If backups have that kind of attention to detail and they're that locked in, you know that the stars and the starters above them are even more so. So that's one thing that really has me excited is that there seems to be a buy-in with what's going on. And we all know, guys, that with new coaches in any sport, probably especially the NFL, it's buy-in from the players in the locker room that determines so much of whether a new a new coach is going to be a good coach or not. I mean, all these guys know more football in their sleep than any of us have known all combined. So it's, it's usually – some of those intangibles. So that's a really good sign that they appear to be buying into McDaniels early. And the other thing I'll say is the record doesn't mean a lot to me, but the fact that the Patriots had starters in, in the fourth game for the few, you know, the, for the yeah. first few series and the Raiders backups were whooping them on, not just on offense, but offensively and defensively. That yeah. is impressive to me. That's what I'm saying, and that's the thing. You 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 sitting there watching the game, and you got Mac Jones in there for multiple series, and they're basically their full O line is in there, and we're getting pressure. We're we're pushing the pocket, we're pressing, and guys are guys are holding up their end on you know on the backside, man. And you got guys like what is it like Masterson or whatever that was just you know out there just playing the safety position at the linebacker, looking good, man. I mean, like I said, there is something to be said about that. So I'm going to – I ain't going to dump on that by any means. No, and, and you know, I'm with you on that. We'll see exactly what it means as far as the regular season here going – or coming up here. And, and speaking of that, guys, make sure to tune in because – you know, that's coming up next. The regular season is here. You know, it kind of gives me a little – butterfly, you know, flutter in my stomach to think about the fact that Josh McDaniels is probably hard at work as we speak, along with his assistant coaches, Patrick Graham and and others, um, you know, huddled together, looking at the Chargers and coming up with their their plan of attack right now. And that's something that uh, I'm very excited about. You guys are going to want to make sure to keep your notifications on again, as I said at the beginning, because we're going to go officially into our predictions. It's time now all of the, you know, theory and, and, and guessing and all this other stuff and preseason and training camp battles, that's all behind us now. The 53 man is locked and loaded and we're ready for a big AFC West showdown right out of the gate that could be, that could prove to be, you know, a determining factor in terms of playoff positioning, winning the division or making the playoffs or not. So Raspy Raider and I are, are going to give our official season predictions Record, uh, what what we think we're gonna, you know, in terms of win and law, win loss record. Do we make the playoffs? Do we win the division? Do we win the Super Bowl? All that's gonna come up uh, next for our official 2022 regular season preview show. Raspy, you got anything else before we wrap this episode, man? No, man, I don't. Other than just nation, we're back, baby. It's on. 
we're here. I know there's hiatuses that happen, you know, in between. Things have been crazy. Uh, we're open. I'm working through some audio issues on my end, so I apologize for the last episode. If there was some, you know, any kind of glitches or hesitations, Matt, too, and we're going to fix that. Promise you. Um, but, yeah, man, bear with us, man. And, like I said, it's about to get real hot, real heavy, real fast, and real serious, man. And I'm telling you right now, I could not be happier. I am so ready to see what this season brings and how this pans out, man. We have a lot, a lot to look forward to, and we're going to be bringing you as much as we can. So, Nation, always a pleasure, man. Always said it. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no us. So, appreciate each and every one of you that listen, man. Hit us up. Let us know how we can be better. Let us know, you know, what where your head's at and on where we're at. into it. But we love you guys so much and appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you in Raider Nation, man. So, let's go out there, man. Let's get it. Let's get this season started. And let's start it off on a good note. We're going to hit you up with some predictions, man, and we're going to talk about it. So, again, just thanks for hearing us out, man. Love you all to death. Hand it to heart as usual to send us out of here. But y'all be good, man. And we just appreciate y'all. Yeah, guys, it's here, man. I mean, I don't know if I've been this jacked for a season um, coming into it since probably the 2001, 2002, the, the Rich Gannon, Rice, Brown era. So it, it's been a long time, guys. But keep it right here with us. We got you going, not just for the, you know, the opener. We're going to be here with you all regular season, and we hope far beyond that uh, talking Raider football. So until then, guys, let's get ready for this opener here. It's going to get here before we know it. Um, big one, got to get this W coming out of the gate. So uh, keep it here with us. And uh, for my partner, Raspy Raider, this is your host, again, Raider Hart, sending you off. Um, until we speak again, preparing for week one. So until then, guys, it's time to just win, baby, and there's no better way to get it started by beating those Chargers week one. So um, thanks for, for tuning in, and guys, and uh, make sure to, to keep it with us for, uh, with the Silver and Black Hack going forward for all everything that you need to know about your Las Vegas Raiders. Um, catch you later. <laughs>